Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, a podcast taking a look and rating all of the founding fathers of the United States, from Andrew Adams to George Wythe. Uh, today, this is our third episode, our second rating, and we're getting a, or hitting a, a, a big hitter today, a no. big kahuna. The biggest of kahunas. Not really. No. A lot of people probably look him over, honestly, which is kind of sad. There's something that uh, a quote from him I'll get to kind of relating to that later on, but talk about John Adams. John Adams. The reason... Also, I am Steven. Oh, yeah, and I'm Cody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we probably should introduce ourselves. Probably, but... Uh, We've never done a podcast before. No, probably. never. I, I'm completely unfamiliar with the format. <laughs> I've never listened or even... What is this? What is this? Padcast, you said? Padcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Adams, the reason why we say Emmy Award winner Paul Giamatti. Oh. Uh, so, uh, starting off with uh, his rotundity, as some of his critics called him. <laughs> uh, John Adams, born October 30th, 1735, in Braintree, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, present-day Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, the son of John and Sus- Susanna Adams. Yeah. So our John is a junior. Junior. Well, did he have the same middle name, though? They had no middle name. Neither one did. Oh, okay. So he's a a junior. Fair enough. We named the dog Quincy. Um, Son of John and Susanna Adams. Uh, His father was a shoemaker, a farmer, and a local deacon, and he was often called Deacon John. Oh. So, uh, you know, your typical, like, New England quasi-Puritan upbringing. Not, like, strictly Puritan, but, you know. Right. Strictly a hard-working upbringing. Yeah, right. Uh, he graduated from Harvard in 1755 with a BA, Bachelor of Arts, uh, but he decided to practice law as opposed to teaching or becoming a minister, which is kind of what his father wanted. Yeah. Uh, but he, had, you know, went with the law and admitted to the bar in 1759. So just 20, 24 years old. A so, youngin. Yeah. Well, for the day, it's probably middle aged. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Depends uh, on he, how long you live, I guess. Uh, he was inspired to the colonial cause by fellow lawyer James Otis Jr., kind of a pre-revolutionary kind of uh, uh, colonial rights thinker. Uh, okay. He had a lot of influence on a, a lot of the founding fathers from New England. Uh, we won't. He might get a bonus episode at some point because okay. eventually, like by the time the the revolutionary fervor started up, he had kind of lost his mind. Uh, like. So, like insane, like, like mental illness type oh, of wow, thing, like okay. dementia type of thing. Oh, Maybe dementia. Don't, don't know if it's dementia because, like, back then you don't really know. But right, um, but you might, might get a bonus episode at some point. But uh, back to John, he married his third cousin Abigail Smith in 1764, uh, and they eventually had six children, including future President John Quincy Adams. Yep. Uh, he first gained notoriety in leading opposition to the Stamp Act in 1765. Wrote several anonymous articles in opposition to the act and denounced it before the Massachusetts legislature. Uh, he was elected as a select man from Braintree in 1766, kind of well, like just like yeah. city council position uh, type of thing. A select man is like a city like council guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moved to Boston in 1768 and became one of the city's leading attorneys. So doing quite well for himself. Yeah. Uh, he volunteered to serve as the defense attorney for the British soldiers on trial for perpetrating the Boston Massacre in 1770. Yeah. So this is despite uh, public feeling on the matter. This is just, like his own feelings on the matter. Yeah. Uh, but he decided, like, you know, hey, everybody is entitled to 
uh, right to fair counsel right uh to plead their case so he he took it yeah. um and uh he he got six of them acquitted six of the eight he's a good lawyer uh yeah and the other two uh who were initially charged with murder got them down to manslaughter so wow they avoided wow. the capital offense uh during the trial uh and this is my favorite quote from from him because it still is relevant to this very day he stressed the importance of relying on hard evidence, stating that, quote, facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passions, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence, end quote. Yeah, a lot of people should, uh, you know, take that advice. Uh, that yeah, quote. especially nowadays, you know, like all your alternative facts and whatnot. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. And listeners, I do apologize. I'm getting over a cold, so I may not sound exactly uh, 100%, but <laughs> I'm... Powering through. So. Yeah, well, I got a lot of cheese and sour cream in my throat, so it's making <coughs> me want to cough every five seconds. So, ah. It'll do that. Uh, the exposure of the trial made Adams an in-demand attorney, and he was soon elected to the state legislature. Uh, he moved closer to the independence viewpoint in the period between the Boston Massacre and the outbreak of war. Like, he's more... kind of moving more towards uh, wanting a clean break from Britain as opposed to like a lot of people like it was a wide spectrum of views at the time like some people wanted full independence some people just like hey we just want we still want to be part of the British Empire but we just want some reforms to the system right yeah so I mean that was probably like 50 50 like most people were pretty split. well I mean at the start at the start no because because no. really only about like a third of um uh, colonists like really had a passionate viewpoint towards independence at the start. Really, uh, but then as the war went on, they're like, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, this is yeah, it gets, yeah. It got a little ridiculous. It makes sense though. I mean, you, you don't want war. Nobody really wants to yeah. watch their loved ones die. So it's like, let's try to avoid that. Yeah, and, and also it's like you know, nothing like that. Nothing like this has been really been attempted before, so they know how to turn out. They thought, uh, like, you know, Brit- Britain was, like, you know, the one of the leading powers of the world. They're going to crush us and make everything worse. Well, I'm sure they saw the revolutions in France, too. Well, that, that wasn't happening yet. Uh, there was, wasn't there multiple revolutions in I mean, France? I mean, there were, like, revolts from time to time, but nothing like nothing like what they were doing. No, oh, okay. All so, right. the French Revolution is a bit down the road. Okay. So, uh, anyway, uh, in 1774, Adams was chosen as one of five Massachusetts delegates to the First Continental Congress which we'll come back around and talk about in the Perpetual Union round. At the outbreak of war in April 1775, he led the Massachusetts delegation to the Second Continental Congress in May, and he was the one who nominated George Washington to serve as commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. Uh, John Hancock had kind of had some pretensions about doing it himself, but Adams was like, well, well... Washington kind of helped matters because he was the only one who showed up in his full military uniform <laughs> right. from the Virginia militia. Man. So it's yeah, like he was kind of hinting, like, hey, let me do this. Yeah, I can do it. I've, I mean, I've done it. And also they needed, like, the rebellion started in Massachusetts, so they kind of needed a southerner to lead the army to make it, like, a colonial-wide yeah. rebellion as opposed to, like, oh, this is just a Massachusetts thing. That would have been a, a lot different history if John Hancock was our first president. Yeah, that would have been... If we'd even won the war, but <laughs> which probably not. But um, 
He was uh, Adams was named as commissioner to France in November 1777, working with Benjamin Franklin and Arthur Lee to uh, solicit, uh, to solicit French support for the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he clashed with Franklin and French officials and returned home in March 1779. Yeah, because they were all weird and he didn't like it. Yeah, they they mostly just wanted to deal with Franklin. But um, well, Franklin was a fun guy. He was like exactly partying with them and like, hey, oh, yeah. wearing funny hats. And, they're and like, Adams, that guy, and Adams was not not about that. He was all about business. Yeah, so he's like, listen, can we get to business? But Franklin was like on the chandelier, like, oh yeah, no business here, like. Pants off and stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that was beneficial. But still wearing his uh, coonskin of hat. Of course, of course. Because he's from America. Yeah. Uh, Adams, he uh, returned to Europe. Uh, he traveled to the Netherlands in July 1780, hoping to secure Dutch credit to help fund the nascent U.S. government, which was finally agreed to in June 1782. He's there about two years. Uh, during which he, he gets very sick. Yeah. Uh, has, like, hallucinations and fevers and all sorts of things, like, was out of it for quite a quite a while, quite a serious illness. Yeah, uh, but uh, he recovered. Uh, he was named as one of five diplomats to negotiate the Treaty of Paris with Great Britain in 1783, which ended the war. He was appointed the first ambassador to Great Britain in 1785. He returned home in June 1788, but was soon elected as America's first vice president in 1789 to 97, which. We'll come back to like kind of the details about his various offices here uh, later sure. on. Yeah. Uh, Get into that deep yeah. dive. Yeah, uh, he was elected as Washington's Washington's successor as president in 1796. Uh, served four years, but lost the 1800 presidential election to his vice president and friend turned rival Thomas Jefferson. Uh, he was mostly quiet in retirement, uh, occupying his time with farming and corresponding with former compatriots. Because, but you know, by this time he's getting old. Yeah, uh, he's in his, his 60s by this point, at if least. You, so. If you believe the, the show, his teeth were falling out terribly, rotten and black. <laughs> I mean... That was the scariest thing about that whole <laughs> that whole show, the teeth, man. I was like, why? You ain't got to be that historically <laughs> accurate. Just just give them, like, you know... I remember one scene in that teeth. show where they're all, like, washing all of them or at a dinner and washing, like, chews on something, and one of his teeth just, like, falls out. I was like, Argh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, that's graphic. I don't need to say that, but I, I believe you. It's horrible. In 1812, at the behest of their mutual friend Benjamin Rush, who will also get an episode, Adams began a correspondence with Jefferson, which continued for the rest of their lives. Uh, he outlived most of his contemporaries, including his wife Abigail, who died in 1818. He lived to see his son, John Quincy, elected president in 1825. Man. And he died on July 4th, 1826, the 50th anniversary of the Declaration's adoption, just a few hours after Jefferson. How old was he? He was 90. Nine, he lived to be or 90. 90. Da, 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 da. Yeah, 90. He lived to be 90 years old back then? Man, yep. that's, a, that's a feat. That yep. is a, yeah, I think he falls under that category of too mean to die. <laughs> yeah, or too stubborn. Yeah, too stubborn to die. <laughs> yeah, so... So yeah, that that's the uh, very very quick and very uh, uh, truncated biography of John Adams. It's so bad. There's so much more to the man. Yes. I would say I don't know if Cody agrees. I think he does, but I would say watch the John Adams uh, HBO miniseries with Paul Giamatti because it, yeah, I feel it, like it touches good. a lot of the good big points. Yeah, it hits the big points. I mean, there's some creative liberties, of course. I mean, as you as any sure. biography or. 
yeah, historical it, show is is one to do, but make it a little more dramatic. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I mean, plenty of biographies on the man. So, yeah, yeah, he's got a doesn't. I can't remember. He doesn't have an autobiography, does he? No, no, I didn't think so. I was I'm thinking of Ben Franklin again. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he had he, he had toyed with it for a little while, but he just kind of like didn't get very far and just wasn't interested in it. So fair enough. So, our first round, Perpetual Union. Oh. Yes, where we talk about the impact that they had on the four founding documents, which, if you need a refresher, the Continental Association, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution. So, like, what effect did our subject have on those documents? So, as I mentioned... Adams was part of the first Continental Congress, which is where we get the Continental Association from. There you go. So he was part of that debate. He was actually on the committee that helped draft uh, some of the grievances to the king about it, yep. uh, some of the uh, uh, policies to take. He was on the committee that drafted it. So he helped to like actually like you know, write the thing. That's pretty influential. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which he uh, signed in October 1774. Yeah, okay. Uh, in the Second Continental Congress, he served on the Committee of Five that drafted the Declaration of Independence. That's a, a small document, but still, uh, still good. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson had uh, had wanted Adams to write it, uh, but Adams deferred to Jefferson. Now, this is grain of salt here. This is Adams' retelling of this, So, and this is years later, so maybe he's, uh, you know... Yeah, he's embellishing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little he, bit. He might not have actually been like, John Adams, you should write this. He was probably like, or no, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, Jefferson wanted Adams to write the declaration, but Adams deferred to Jefferson stating his reasons. Quote, reason first, you are a Virginian, and a Virginian ought to appear at the head of this business. Reason second, I am obnoxious, suspected, and unpopular. You are very much otherwise. Reason third, you can write ten times better than I can. End quote. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, that, that, you think that he's just like, you know what? That's fair. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll do it. Uh, so, like, Jefferson was the primary author of the document, but Adams, along with Franklin, revised and refined it. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, before it was debated b- uh, before the entire Congress. When the Declaration was debated before the whole Congress, Adams led the floor debate in favor of it. Jefferson later wrote that Adams was, quote, the pillar of support on the floor of Congress, its ablest advocate and defender against the multifarious assaults it encountered, end quote. Multifarious. Yes. That's multiple nefarious assaults, <laughs> I think. I, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there were certainly opponents uh, to the Declaration. I mean, there's some members of Continental Congress who didn't sign it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just a handful and, uh, or, or objected to the language. They changed the language of it a few oh, times okay. just to, you know, kind of refine it. That's just a, one of those words you never hear anymore, like multifarious. Like, you don't hear yeah. that anymore. Nobody says that. It's got to mean, like, multiple nefarious assaults, yeah. right? Like, Yeah. Uh, while in Congress, he did not dep- uh, participate in the drafting of the Articles Confederation because uh, that was a separate committee. Because, like, mm-hmm. at the same time as... This committee is working on the, the declaration. There's another committee working on the articles. Okay. So, so then that was where our first guy was, Andy, right? Yeah, that's where, yeah. Andy Andy Adams was over with the article, articles of the Confederate. Well, he, he wasn't, like, on the committee drafting. He's the one who just popped up, signed it, and basically That's left. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. 
He didn't. Co- he didn't contribute to the actual debate of That's it. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, but he was there at some point. At some point, yes, he was there to sign it. Um, but John Adams, like I said, he didn't participate in the drafting of it. Uh, he left for diplomatic duty in France shortly after Congress approved the Articles. So he probably voted on it, but he didn't really. He didn't sign contribute it. Contribute to it, or no, he didn't sign it because remember. They didn't start signing it until their state ratified it. That's right. So, which was years later, right? Yeah, uh, I don't remember exactly when Massachusetts did it, but uh, regardless, yeah, he he was overseas at the time. So, right. uh, uh, he was still overseas when the Constitution itself was being debated. So he didn't really directly contribute to that, but he may have indirectly contributed to it. In 1776, Adams had written a pamphlet called Thoughts on Government. Uh, one of the other delegates had requested that he like kind of put his thoughts to paper, and then this other delegate like took it upon himself to publish it. Right. Uh, and it kind of outlined his views on how a government should be structured. In it, Adams advocated for a bicameral legislature, unlike the unicameral legislature of the contemporary Congress. So he wanted a legislature that had two houses. Okay, it's yeah. kind of like how we have now, like Senate, House, Representatives. No, sure, sure, yeah. Well, co- the Congress at the time, it was just the one house. Okay. So just one just body uh, that wasn't really adequately representative. Okay. <laughs> so I got gotcha. you. Yeah, because they were still trying to get it. Uh, yeah, so, so he was like, yeah, maybe let's go in this direction. Uh, and he almost single-handedly wrote the 1780 Massachusetts Constitution. Like, like the actual state constitution. Yeah. Uh, the structure which kind of influenced uh, how the U.S. constitution was written. Dang. So, okay. it may, may have, like, indirectly influenced the constitution. It sounds like it m- more than likely indirect, uh, indirectly uh, Yeah, influenced. so, like, some of the Massachusetts delegates were like, mm, yeah, this, is, well, this works for us. Works real well. So, let's maybe let's take adapt. some of these ideas and put them in the, the federal. For the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he, he had a, quite the influence, I'd say. I would say quite influential. Uh, yeah, this is... I feel like you and I are probably of a like mind with this. Out of ten, what are you going to give me here? Nah, I'm going to say one and a half. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say one. <laughs> well, no. you just going to say one. No. Yeah, I, I was being more generous, but yeah. No, I would say uh, out of ten, you said? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's it's impossible not to give him ten. Uh, yeah, that's because that's my like, thought. Every like everything that he did had some part. In, yeah, and except for maybe the, the, the articles. articles. Yeah, that, that might have been the only one he didn't have because those. he was busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he wasn't, he probably would have like, been on. Like that when team. he was in Congress, he served on like dozens of committees. Like he was like essentially he, he headed the board. What's called the Board of War. Yeah, which was Congress's you know conducting the war. This dude He's loves, a little a little busy. He loves political stuff. Yes. Like he loves it. He yeah. wants, he's all up in it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it, just being like one of well, the see, three main people on that committee that's putting together the declaration. Yeah, he didn't write it, but he edited it, revised it, helped to do that. Yeah. He helped write the the Continental Association. He defended the declaration on the floor of Congress. He pushed for its vote like a vote for it. Yeah, it's I, it's out of ten though. It is. So I don't know what could be more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is this what our standard is going to be? John Adams yeah, doing that, all that, this. That's stuff true. That's at true. Ten. Because I mean, what are we going to do? We get to Jefferson. Exactly. 
And Jefferson, uh, I mean, he wrote the declaration for the, for the <laughs> most part. He's going to get a 10. Yeah. So, I mean, does John Adams deserve a 10 right there alongside Thomas Jefferson? <sighs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, John didn't write any of them, did he? That's, nah. But he did revise them. He yeah, and he contributed, uh, he contributed to the language. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. Revising. I mean, that yeah, is, that that is it's an writing. important part. Yeah, now I'm, th- I'm rethinking it. <laughs> yeah, see, you gotta, you gotta yeah. think about these things. Because I, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know, this, this, does John Adams going to be my standard for everybody else, yeah. basically? Another thing, like, are we looking at how influential they were on one document or all four? It is all four. It's all four. Because yeah. that's the whole, that's literally what he said when we started. Yeah. In which case, it's like... Well, he had no influence well, well, on the articles. Well, also, well, by that logic also, nobody's going to get a 10. Okay, fair. Because, like, well, I think only one person signed all four. So, well, they'd be the only ten, I guess. <laughs> well, 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 see, the thing is, though, like, did they really? Con- how much did they contribute? That's true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my ten. See, so, so like, yeah, because see, like the, yeah. I, I know it's, you know, I don't know. There's, a, I think let let I think let's it's, it's let's a split good hair. Let's split the difference here. You give him a ten, I'll give him a nine. Okay, that leaves us the opportunity to give somebody a full twenty. Okay, okay. Because like then, because then that way. You know, once we get to a Jefferson, or or even a Franklin, yeah, because Franklin was instrumental in the Declaration and the Constitution. Yeah, see. So uh, well, we'll talk about them when we get to them. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, ten and nine. That is a nineteen for perpetual union. So through one category, he is already beating the entirety of Andrew Adams. <laughs> so oh, Andy. Yep. I'm just going to pick on it. Keep on picking on it. <laughs> okay, our second category. We the people. This is what they did outside of uh, con- their contributions to those founding documents. And French ambassador. He certainly did a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, like I said, the 1780 Massachusetts Constitution, he, ba- he almost single-handedly wrote it. It is still in use today and is um, one of the oldest extant constitutions in the world. Okay. That is well, still being used. Now, granted, it's been amended, like, numerous times, so I don't know how much of the original languages have been stripped out of it, but, I mean, it's never been replaced completely, because, like, very few state constitutions, like, very few of them still have their original one. Like, I think Ohio's on its, like, fifth. Yeah. They tend to they tend to replace them every 50-odd years or so. So, yeah, that's influential to the state. That's, he's, that's a big one. Yeah, and as you mentioned, he's served as the... Ambassador to France, or Commissioner to France, in 1778 to 79. But he was largely overshadowed by Franklin, uh, who the French preferred to deal with. Yeah, but I feel like he's he still got a lot done, though. Yeah, but even though he was, you know, they didn't really like him that much. He's he was a bulldog, so he got he a was. Lot of stuff done. But I mean, uh, yeah, but he, well, he, he got done like antagonizing them. At one point, the French foreign minister, like, refused to deal with him anymore, which made him kind of useless in France. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but you could also argue, like, he wasn't really reading the room. Because, I mean, like, part of being a diplomat is being diplomatic. Yeah, like, And kind mingling. of, like, you know, reading the other, like, your, the 
person you're negotiating with, trying to, you know, find some common ground. If you're just, like, hard-headed the whole time, stubborn, yeah, you're not really doing the job well. Yeah, it was like... Franklin and him were like the exact polar opposites, and there was no middleman. So yeah, it was like well, you got there. You, there was a third guy, Arthur Lee. He was there, but he was useless. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, there was yeah. nobody like, "Hey, well, I'm I'm here to have fun, but also, you know, maybe we should get some business done." Yeah, you know, like so. that. You know, there was no that. It was just Franklin with his French prostitutes and all that, and then you got John Adams, John like, Adams sitting in a corner. John like, Adams fuming. was Spock. Benjamin Franklin was Dr. McCoy, and they did not have the Captain Kirk between them to kind of ca- bring See, them both say, together. I would say Franklin would be more well, uh, Kirk. Kirk. Yeah, because he's a ladies' man. McCoy would be the middleman. Well, fair. But, to, be, to be fair. Yeah. Anyway, he was appointed by Congress to be available in Europe to negotiate peace when time came, so he went back to France in late 1779. So he's only home for like eight or nine months mm. before he has to make that. Atlantic Crossing again. Yeah, I don't remember which Atlantic Crossing it was. I think it was... I can't remember if it was the first or second one, but uh, they almost sank. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, there was almost a point where they were almost captured by a British ship, oh, so Lord. which would have been bad because he would have been hung immediately because oh, he was a traitor. And um, then there's, you know, months on sea at, at sea. Yeah, which is and, like... and, he, and I, I think he took John Quincy on both trips. Wow. And I think he took his younger son, Charles. I think Charles is on one of them. So he's, he's, he's taking his children with him. Uh, you know, because, oh, hey, geez. see the world. Uh, so, but, again, he's kind of useless in France. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go up to the Netherlands while we're waiting for peace. Oh, that's right. And he has uh, loans up there. Yeah, because the U.S. government was had no credit, no real financial uh, security to speak of. I mean, mm-hmm. the the colonial currency was just wasn't worth the paper is printed on no, and that's no, what they're paying their not. troops with so <laughs> you can imagine how well that's going yeah um, right so uh he needs to get some financial assistance and the dutch were kind of the financiers of europe at the time yeah what does he do he gets it he gets it he gets so those, it takes big. two years hey that's pretty big though i mean yeah that absolutely funded. establishes foreign credit boom which that's pretty huge you know you could see, I mean, <laughs> conversely, the small government people could be like, well, this is where the national debt started. Uh, come yeah, on. but you, it was needed. <laughs> yeah, you had to have money. Yeah, mean, yes. To fund a war. John Adams started the national debt. <laughs> Which is good and bad. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of... Curse and a blessing. Yeah, you kind of need the national debt to a point. I mean, not $31 trillion point, but... Well, I... No. <laughs> but you do kind of need it. Uh... Along with Franklin, uh, John Jay, and Henry Lawrence, uh, he negotiated the Treaty of Paris in 1783, which ended the war. Dang. So he's one of those, he signed the Treaty of Paris. Boom. Another signature. Uh, and he was he served as the first U.S. ambassador to Great Britain after the war, uh, beginning the mending of relations with the mother country. The mother country. After returning home in 1788, he was elected the first U.S. vice president. He was largely irrelevant as vice president. Uh, he wasn't included in the cabinet. He washed and didn't really ask for his advice. Well, it was like a new position. So. Yeah, like, uh, but he didn't define the office. Kind of like how Washington really just kind of defined the office of president. Sure. Adams didn't really do that with the vice presidency. Like, right. vice presidency was just kind of seen as just a token job until, like, the 1980s. They basically... 70s like, or 70s, rather. Well, they just, like, they it's like if they were 
they had a debate where they couldn't decide. He was just like, uh, yeah, he's this. a tie-breaking vote. Yeah, he's and like, I think Adams cast more than anybody in history because it's such a small Senate. Ah, so yeah. yeah, a lot of ties. But yeah, like he would just sit there reading the newspaper all day. <laughs> wow. If it, yeah, so it's like because because he would show up, which I mean the vice president rarely. They're only there in the Senate if there's a tie-breaking vote anymore. Right. Um, so, but like, yeah, he just nothing to do. Uh, he even said that my country, or quote, my country has, in its wisdom, contrived for me the most insignificant office that ever the invention of man contrived or his imagination conceived, end quote. <laughs> so remember, this is wow. a guy who crossed the Atlantic multiple times, uh, debated with foreign diplomats and kings and leaders pushed through all these important documents of this country, and now he's just relegated to sit in a chair and cast a tie-breaking vote every so often. He couldn't participate in debates, which probably yeah. drove him up the wall. Yeah, because uh, that's, I mean, being a lawyer, that's what he loved yeah. to do. Yeah, is, is... so he's doing this for eight years. That's correct. Eight years? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and kind of how I alluded to earlier, during this time he felt that he would be overlooked by history. Quote, the history of our revolution will be one continued lie. The essence of the whole will be that Dr. Franklin's electrical rod smote the earth and outsprung General Washington, that Franklin electrified him with his rod, and henceforth, these two conducted all the policy negotiations, legislatures, and war, end quote. That, that is what happened. Yeah. That's the actual history. Exactly. We're, what we're talking about is all fake stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> we get to Franklin, we're going to talk about him using his rod all the time. Oh, uh. <laughs> oh, it was probably black and fell off at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot of. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Benjamin Franklin's on. opinions on uh, some things, but well, we'll, we'll we'll save that for them. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, and really, I mean, he wasn't entirely wrong. I mean, if you think like, yes, the person on the street named three people from like the Revolutionary Era, they're going to say Washington, Franklin, and Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, that's why I said that before. Like, I think yeah. he's very overlooked. And I, I have to tell everybody right now, I have a little mini bust of John Adams on my desk yep. that I got in D.C. because I, I really think he's one of, he just, people should know more about him. And the logo for our show, the middle one is, the white uh, one in the middle is John Adams. Yeah. So, like, it's Washington, Adams, and Franklin. Yeah. So, um yeah, so like, like he's, I mean, the fact that he does not have a memorial in D.C. Like, you know, Washington has one. Jefferson, FDR, Lyndon Johnson, Franklin, or Teddy Roosevelt, uh, Dwight Johnson. I, yeah, yeah, he has like a memorial grove or something like that. Uh, Lincoln, Eisenhower, they all have memorials. John mm-hmm. Adams does not have one. That doesn't make any sense. Eisenhower? Who sat through? It just, it li- I think, I think it just opened like last year or something. Still, like, yeah, that I doesn't know. make any sense. I know, but well, I yeah. might, I might come back to that later. Yeah, uh, digress. Uh, anyway, Adams he was elected president in 1796. Uh, his presidency, not, didn't really. It's mixed reception. Let's say, ongoing turmoil in Europe caused by the French Revolution uh, led to the t- deterioration of relations with France. Uh, and the continuing frosty relationship with Great Britain. Uh, there was this thing called the XYZ Affair. Basically, these three ministers in the French government like said, like, hey, if you want to negotiate with us, it's going to cost you uh, some upfront money, some upfront cash. Wow. Yeah. So basically, we need a bribe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a big whole thing. Um, 
course, crazy. Britain, like, relations with Britain is still kind of frosty. Of course, yeah, I mean, the whole uh, revolution thing. So Adams, uh, he foresaw, and this is pretty far-sighted of him, foresaw the need for a very strong navy. He was a big proponent of, like, a robust, strong navy to protect uh, not only the American coastlines, but uh, American shipping across the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, there was a problem with piracy in North Africa, which come back up during Je- whenever we do Jefferson's episode, that'll come up. Yeah. Well, I mean, the English was known for their a navy, so yeah. I mean, they weren't going to be as strong as the British, but they needed something. Yeah. Uh, which is why we have these sep- like because at the time there was the Department of War, which is basically the modern day just the army. Sure. There was no separate like navy, yeah. so he created the Department of the Navy. Nice. To have it be separate from the army, and that it continued that way both as cabinet posts until after World War II, when they were both put under the Department of Defense. So, ah, uh, so yeah, he has that going for him. Uh, but take a step back, he signed the Alien and Sedition Acts, mm-hmm. which were not great. Um, they were used to fine or jail political opponents who. Spoke out against the government. Whoops. Uh, yeah, so not. Uh, I'd say that's a uh, First Amendment violation there. Yeah, that's... Uh, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, could just deport foreigners just for... Just for being foreigners? Yeah. Well, like, you know, I mean, there are certain conditions, but I mean... Yeah, they were probably just like, I don't yeah, like his face. <laughs> it, great, it greatly restricted naturalization, so like the process of becoming a citizen, I think it was... Oh, wow. Something like uh, you had to be a resident for like five years. It wow. bumped it up to like fifteen years. Holy, wow! <laughs> yeah, so like like these very, very uh, kind of authoritarian bills that he's like, oh yeah, yeah I'll sign that. It's like, well, wasn't I, if I'm remember, remembering cor- correctly, didn't he want Washington to be to become a monarch? We'll Was get that to him? that. We'll 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 get to that. Okay, all right, go ahead. That'll come up in the next round. Um. But tensions with France were eased with a new treaty in 1800. Uh, he was the first president to occupy the White House in the new federal capital. Mm. Uh, the city was basically just a mud pit at the time. But I remember that from the the show. Yeah, there were it, people like slipping around in the mud. Uh, yeah, and down. it was like after he lost the election too. So like, yeah. he'd already lost the election. But remember, like at the time, they weren't sworn in until March. So they had like good like four or five months. Yeah. So. Uh, The actions he took, along with uh, infighting, led to the fatal weakening of the Federalist Party. It's like him, Hamilton, John Jay, Marshall. You know, these guys, like, they're, like, the the party of a strong central government. It's it's kind of fatally weakened after this. It's never really relevant again. Wow, okay. You kind of see the dominance of Jefferson's Republican Party. Oh, sure. Uh, which is not the modern-day Republican Party. Yeah, it was like, different It's, it's different. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, he, it's completely... Completely different. The party at the time was called the Democratic Republican Party. Oh. <laughs> the, the confusingly named Democratic Republican Party. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it is not the Democratic Party. It is not the Republican Party. It is just... just sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it's confusing, so... Uh, but yeah, he lost the 1800 presidential election to Jefferson... I mean, really, he came in third place, because at the time, it was just, you voted for, you, you cast two votes for somebody, first place gets president, second place gets vice president, that's the way it worked back then. Oh, wow, So okay. he came in third behind Jefferson and Aaron Burr. Burr. Yeah, which he may get a bonus of, he didn't sign any documents, so, he, may get a, he may get a bonus. So, um, he only had one term then? Yeah, just one term. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he lost lost re-election. Uh, first president to lose re-election. Uh, but one of his final Thank acts you. was to appoint John Marshall as Chief Justice in February 1801. Marshall, this is very important because up to this point, like the Supreme Court had been largely kind of irrelevant. It was just very ambiguous, like what it could do. Marshall really just defined, like, the court is has these powers, it can do this, this, and this. So, like, Marshall is really, like, the progenitor of, the mo- of, like, an actual powerful Supreme Court, and Adams puts him in that Chief Justice spot. Oh, okay. So, so that's important. So, uh, that's, that's his legacy outside of those four documents. Okay, all right. So, a lot, so, like I said, kind of mixed, kind of mixed. It's all mixed. So, all like, mixed. he does some good things, like the Dutch credit, uh, treaty in the war, mm-hmm. trying to smooth things over with Britain, but then bad things like the Alien Sedition Act, mm-hmm. uh, which just <laughs> that was kind of lackluster term as VP didn't really step up and like say, hey, all right, the VP should do this. Right, which he could have. He could have. that clout. So yeah. He could have been like, hey, I should be doing more here. Yes. But like also like, you know, not really doing anything in France, just antagonizing everybody. Well, I mean, sometimes you got to antagonize somebody, yeah. right? So, what, what what do you want to give him? This is this is this is one that's I'm going to give him Man, that what was the alien, was it? Alien and Sedition Acts. In in Sedition? A- alien and Sedition Acts. Alien and Sedition. Yeah, it's, it's like a collection. I think it's like 3 or 4 acts. Okay. There's like the Alien Friends Act, Alien Enemies Act. There's a Sedition Act and the Naturalization Act. Okay. And so, those were not great. No. That's pretty bad. Um, I'm going to give him like, because... Oh, man, I don't know. I'm going to give him like a seven. Seven? Hmm. Yeah, see, like... I, so, like, you know, I, I kind of have the advantage of, like, think because like, I write these, yeah. thinking ahead of time, like, what am I going to give him? This one, I'm, I'm, I'm still just, like... Stumped? Yeah, because it's like... I gotta go with my heart. He has his highs, and he has his lows. That's why I kind of, I kind of went a little, I went in the middle, but a little higher. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, some of the other things were really good. Yeah. But that, the one thing was really bad, so. And I have to think, like, who's, like, eventually, like, who's coming along later. And See, like, I have no idea. So I'm yeah. going, I'm going straight up yeah. with what you're telling me right now. And what, with what you're telling me, I'm going to go with a seven. I'm going to go with a six. Six? Six. Right, Which, I mean, would give him a solid 13. Uh, so, which is it? It's not terrible. I mean, he's got, like, so far, he's got, like, a 32 out of a possible 40. Yeah. So, not bad at all. Yeah. So. All right, that's a 13 for We the People. Next up. Articles of impeachment. Uh oh! How scandalous were they? Oh, so scandalous! Now, John Adams, you think like you know, New England, you know, hardworking, Puritan upbringing. Yeah, you think like, no scandal. Mm. Some scandal. There's in there? some. There's some discussion. Like you'd mentioned earlier, uh, at times he appeared to support the idea of like a constitutional American monarch. He always denied it. But know. some things he would say, well, like, or some actions he took, kind of made you think that maybe he does. Like, for example, when uh, the new government you know, swore it in, it's starting business, 
they're trying to figure out how to address the president. Uh, like, yeah, I it, remember this. Yeah, remember because because now you just call him Mr. President. Yeah. Adams wanted him to be addressed as His Highness, the President of the United States and Protector of their Liberties. That's a little much. A little it's much. It's a bit much. And a little bit too much like a monarch. Yeah, Let's... to the point where some people in Congress were like, okay, there's a constitutional provision against accepting titles of nobility. And that really <laughs> sounds very like Noble. aristocratic. Like... Like, not quite, but it's like one step to yeah. like, his Even just excellency, like, like that kind of thing. His highness or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Lord. <laughs> like, yeah, and so he was mocked by his colleagues, calling him his rotundity. Because oh, he was a little, little portly. Um, so yeah, so there's that. Um, while he wasn't supportive of slavery, like he didn't think it should exist, he didn't really press the issue. Right, yeah. Because uh, he didn't want to upset the South. Well, because because to him, like, national unity was more important. That's true, yeah. yeah. But I, I would like to say his, his wife did a lot to try to... Yeah, like, like his like Abigail was much more... Yeah, she was more outspoken about it. Yeah, and, and, and her, especially in her letters. Uh, yeah. Which she may get, she'll probably get a bonus episode at some point. Yeah, she was very um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it's the point where he opposed arming and deploying black troops during the revolution. Whoops. Uh, despite chronic manpower shortages. Like, the Revo- like the Kano army is always short of manpower. Of course it is. They're always basically, almost always outnumbered. Yeah, unless something true. horrible has happened to the British. Uh, so it's like, they need, they, they need bodies. They just need warm bodies to put a gun in their hands and shoot. Mm-hmm. And, and there were, like, some black troops who did serve during the revolution. Adams was opposed to it because he was like, well, that might upset the Southerners. Why is he so concerned well, uh, about the Southerners? Like you said, like I said, like, you know, national unity. That is his uh, main concern, yeah, okay. which which you can understand on the one hand, but it's like, these are still people. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a hard thing. Like, yeah, I understand what he was going for, but also like. Come on. Like, yeah. So, uh, he was seen by many contemporaries as somewhat hard to work with. Uh, Franklin, from Benjamin Franklin, he's, quote, He means well for his country, is always an honest man, often a wise one, but sometimes, and in some things, is absolutely out of his senses. <laughs> I think well, I was, he's being nice, I think, there. Yeah. It's like, he's kind of an a-hole sometimes. Yeah. he's not like, fun. He has some good points, but you don't want to tell him he has any good points. And you definitely don't want to party with him. No. He's a Debbie Downer. <laughs> Every party needs a pooper. <laughs> uh, the Comte de Virgin, who was the French foreign minister, who was kind of like their point man in negotiations with France, eventually just refused to deal with Adams. He's like, I can't deal with this guy. He is just, ah, uh, can't deal with him. Uh, Jefferson would later say that Adams was, quote, vain, suspicious, and stubborn, end quote. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned, signing the Alien and Sedition Acts, I don't know if you would want to include that in this as well, but... Oh, yeah, that's... That that's was, more of the other one, yeah. Yeah, okay. that was more of the other one. Uh, and he refused to attend Jefferson's inauguration as president. <laughs> uh, he just got He's out of town the night before. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, becoming the first president of eventually four... Who refused to attend their oh, successor's inauguration? He's in there with Trump. He is. Oh no! And it was funny. 
His son refused to attend Jackson's inauguration. No. So both Adamses refused <laughs> to attend their successor's inauguration because they were just bitter. Well, I mean, well, yeah. Well, Andrew Jackson's also a piece, so. Yeah, and Andrew Johnson refused to attend Grant's because Andrew Johnson was probably drunk under the table and forgot what time it was. Well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so what do you want to give him for that? Uh, <laughs> it's like, I mean, some scandal. There's there. a little bit, but not, like, considering the fact you like, there's some, there's some scandal coming up. So I'm gonna give him for that. I'll give him like a four. I wasn't even gonna go. I was gonna give him a one. Uh, I mean, there's still some scandalous stuff. In yeah, there. but also think like we got a lot of slaveholders coming up. Yeah, but that's too easy. You know, that's like yeah, I, of I course know they're gonna get bad marks for being a slave owner. I know, but like this kind of stuff, like the 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 little bit of stuff that he did. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be like four. I'm gonna say four. Okay, I'm I'm sticking my one. Okay, because it's like, uh, I mean, a slave owner is gonna get like an eight automatically. Well, I, I I once we get there, I'm gonna, I'll probably, yeah, we we can discuss it now. Uh, I I was thinking like I was gonna default give every slave owner a four, just just as a baseline, and a then four. if they did things more scandalous than that, I see. I see add on saying. to that. See, I would say a baseline of like five or six. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to do that, that's I mean, fine. I, but well, I guess for me, I guess it's personal. So that's it's fine. Personal, yeah. Yeah. But uh, because it's like that's the worst, pretty much yeah. the worst thing you could do. Well, I mean, so. like Jefferson's gonna definitely gonna get that baseline plus some. So uh, considering the fact, you know, what he did with his slaves. Oh. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> or one in particular, at least. Uh, so yeah, so that's a a four to one for articles of impeachment. That's a five. So, the whites of their eyes. We actually have a photo this week. Well, not photo. <laughs> Nobody has a photo. We don't have any photos in this. We have an image this week, unlike last time. Yeah. I think Xander Adams was camouflaged his whole existence. He was like, he's yeah. like Predator. Yeah, always like, camouflaged. Like I said, he was too humble. He didn't want it. He didn't want to do it. <laughs> they, they, they went to paint his portrait. He just went like that. Yeah, he's for, like, no. But he stood there for like five hours <laughs> doing that. So, uh, that would be hilarious if it was like that was his painting and yeah. with his hand in front of his face. Yeah, I'd, I'd go see that, but uh, so I try to get one like around because there's a lot of there's a lot of, of, of Adam. So I try to pick one that's like very emblematic of him or like at least was around. I didn't want to pick one at the end of his life when he's old and wrinkled, yeah, he, or like when he he's bad, early right? when he's like young, even in like, the painting, like they try to you know make it look a little better, but he still looks pretty bad, yeah. So I, this is one is from 1783. So this is when he signed the Treaty of Paris. So this is him. Oh, I've seen this one before. Yeah, yeah. he looks very um, um, stately. Stately. Yeah. yeah, he's got like this nice brown coat on. He's holding a piece of paper. He's like pointing at something on like on a the map or something. Scroll. There's a there's a Greek painting or a Roman painting in the background. Yeah, um, you know he's got his buckle shoes on. There's a globe there. It's it you know it's very very stately very uh, oh yeah very classic Renaissance looking almost Renaissance looking painting yeah very, very you know emblematic of the time absolutely so what would you give that out of five that out of five yeah. that's a great painting yeah I mean it's like I'm sure this if I if I were like the president or whatever from back then yeah. That would be what I want people to see, not the one where I look like I'm death <laughs> boiled over. Or like, you know, the, like one where he's like, got no hair on the top, and he's just got on the sides. <laughs> yeah, it's like all puffy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, here's wearing a wig, of course. But, but they all did, yeah. that kind of a thing. Yeah. So, but I would give that like a 
I would give that like a nine. At a five? Oh, I'm sorry, at a five. <laughs> I thought we were still doing a ten. Uh, I'll give it four. Four? Yeah, I'd, I'd give that a four as well. So yeah, uh, that's a pretty, pretty a good, darn good. good portrait. Uh, so yeah, so a four and a four is an eight out of ten for the whites of their eyes. Yeah, he's young in that one too. So yeah. he's like, he still has, he still looks vibrant. Like he, yeah, he's he's, he's, he's like in his late forties there. So yeah, he's, yeah. He's, well, he lived to be ninety. So yeah, yeah that's. I mean, he's yeah. in he's middle aged, but he yeah. looks. He looks like he's still with it. He's yeah. still he's like he can still do it. He can yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a good it's a good penny. Yeah, so uh bonus round. Uh he signed the Continental Association and the Declaration of Independence, so he will get two bonus points. Woo! So adding up the total here. Carry the four times divide by seven. Uh, cubit divided by I. A uh, total of 47 points. 47. How much did Andy get? Uh, seven. <laughs> Andy Adams, seven. Yep. And then John Adams gets 40. 19 plus 13. Hang on a minute. He's redoing 19 it. Plus Recount. 13. Yep, 47. 47, 47. out of a possible 74. Okay. So... That's... Which isn't not bad. Terrible, not yeah. terrible. I mean, it's not. No, less. no, it's not great. But well, I mean, if, if you think about it, to get like really high points, you have to be involved in everything, do a lot outside of it, and be really scandalous, and have a great portrait. Yeah, have a great portrait. <laughs> yeah. Well, she did. You so did. He did. You did get good. So, but yeah. So, like you know, for yeah, that's not bad. But the overall score isn't everything. We have to ask. The burning question. John Adams, are you a founding father or a floundering father? <laughs> Why do you laugh? Because it's funny. Uh, definitely a founding father. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah there's, no, no, there's no doubt. Yeah, there's no debate. Even though there's not a gosh dang one thing for him in, in D.C. Uh, yeah, like, I think it was like 2001. Congress authorized an Adams memorial, and it would be like him and John Quincy and Abigail, uh, one of John Quincy's sons who was like an abolitionist, uh, Charles Francis Adams. He like he was the VP nominee in 1848, I think it was for the Free Soil Party. Okay, uh, so like you know, uh, and I think a couple other the prominent family members. So it was just be like you know a, mo- a monument to the. The family. The whole Adams family. The Adams uh, family. You know, Gomez and Cousin as well were going to be there. Um, uh, not Pugsley. Uh, not Andy. No. <laughs> no. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of just been languishing for 20 years. Like, because, like, you know, the, like, when these things are set up, like, Congress kind of authorizes, like, okay, we can set up this Adams Memorial Foundation and we'll collect money yeah. to get it built. Sure. To get a design done, and it's just I'd give money to that. It's just languished for twenty years. I wonder why. I wonder why they've sat on it for for so long. <laughs> well, also, it's like wash it. It's like it, one of those things where it's like, do we really need to be spending money on this? Oh yeah, I guess that's, um, that's true. Yeah, you know, is there room in DC to put it somewhere? <laughs> 
like like yeah. Eisenhower's it just was just built it was kind of just shoved into a random city block they had to redo <laughs> oh okay. so it's like you know it, it's not really that's fair they could they could just tear down that big white house yeah so and just put it there uh so we don't the, need that thing yeah so but Congress they keep reauthorizing it every few years like hey we still want to do this hello but the foundation they just can't they just aren't raising the funds, or they haven't been able to raise the funds, or find a location, or or whatnot. So it, it's just been sitting, just kind of languishing. So maybe so, one day we'll see an Adams family, yeah, hold I, their I think whole family. The, the current, trying. the current commission for a memorial expires in twenty twenty five. So I don't know if Congress will reauthorize it again. Or they might uh, not. Maybe know? not. It's just like, you know, it's... Just... I mean, there might be... It might be one of those things, too, Now nowadays, where it's like, he's got too many controversial things, and they just won't put him... Well, he, well do that's it. the thing. Compared to a lot of them, he doesn't. That, well, the other ones were already up. You know what that's I mean? They're true. Like, just going to tear him down. That's I true. Mean, that, I mean, I guess they could. Or, or but it's like, like, you know, he's just not enough in the cultural milieu. Like, like someone like Eisenhower. Right. You know, yeah, Eisenhower's, but, yeah. I mean, granted, more recent... Yeah, but he was, yeah. But, like, you know, also, like, famous general, you know, besides that. So, you know. Right. Uh, you, John Adams, you deserve a memorial in Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah. You deserve a prominent memorial yeah. in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. I didn't say this at the start, you know, because I didn't want to present any bias beforehand. John Adams is my favorite historical figure. I love the man to death. Mm-hmm. So, it, it is very... Uh, <laughs> Very, it's almost kind of telling that there is no memorial. Yeah. Because it kind of just seems like, like he said, people are going to remember Franklin and Washington. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. And it, why, though? Like, just, there's no reason why. The only reason why is because those, I think those two figures are like larger than life. Yes. You know, and he was this little guy. Yeah. Doing all the stuff he, almost behind the he, scenes. He, he was, yeah, he was somebody who just like got the job done. He, yeah, exactly. Washington and, and Franklin, Franklin, they're like they're, they're heroics. Big. Exactly. They so, have these stories about them. These big, yeah, and he he just doesn't really have that. No, so he does not have. He, he didn't have what uh, Stephen Toast would say, "Clismy." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that's John Adams. Uh, our our first one. We. Uh, have said yes that you are a founding father. Founding father, as opposed to Andrew Adams, who just got a was no, was a floundering father and got a bus Man. stop named after him. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got more than John Adams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Adams more. Yeah, like if you did the whole family, it would have to be a, a pretty big, sizable big. one. Pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. <sighs> All right. Well, next week, or not next week, next time, we will be discussing. Someone who probably, <laughs> we could debate this next week, maybe more well-known than John Adams. Yeah. Partly because there's beer named after him. <laughs> Very decent beer. Yeah, it, uh, pretty pretty solid beer. Samuel Adams. Big Sam. Yep. Okay. Samuel Adams. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out my uh, other project, The Drunken Pawn. We're on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out my other project, We Effed Up. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and all the podcast players you found this on. And also be sure to follow our podcast on Twitter, at ImperfectMenPod. All right, we'll see you guys next time on Imperfect Men. Imperfect Men.